background looked like that. I swear it did. I liked it much better with the collar. I spent like a half hour this morning trying to figure it out and finally gave up. I also have to get over the fact that the majority of the audience left when I started to come up. <laughs> so we appreciate all of you who have stayed. A very interesting session this morning. It seems like there are very different kinds of things. I think from the education point of view, I was hoping to educate some of the audience about the NSF Advanced Program, but there isn't that many people to... It's almost 11.45, I guess, at the way for Dennis to come back. Participation and uh, presence on the faculty and percentage of graduate students is really good. I think Colorado, one of them received an advance award, I think, but I'm not sure which one. It might have been University of Colorado. It's listed in here. Yeah, I guess it was University of Colorado Boulder did. I also had a question for you after your talk in chemistry, but I don't think I should do it right now. So maybe afterwards. Yeah, I know. Hopefully I didn't pull anything out. Is there another plug over here? I guess not. Okay. Are we waiting for the other groups to do their? Some of them are their final Q&A. Okay. Because the only thing after is lunch. Right. So we got a little bit of... <clears throat> yeah, so I'll hold it up and say what it was supposed to look like. Yes. Yes, but... Stephen Myers here. I think he's at the convention. Isn't he involved with some faculty Christian group over at Penn? Because occasionally I would get invitations to, to go over there, and I haven't recently, so I wanted to touch base with them. They used to have at least, I'm not sure if it was every week, but it seemed like at least once a month a lunch for, for faculty and grad students. But I haven't heard the announcements in a long time, and then I haven't. He, maybe he probably stopped sending them to me because I stopped coming, but it was just... Actually, I actually think this academic year I might have a little bit more of a chance to get over there. 
not enough of that. Everywhere. You know, a non a non pedestrian. It's an oceanographer. I don't think so. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, okay. Well, I know I know Bob Kayada for how I'm saying that his name right from Princeton, but yeah, he's the only. Right. Well, yeah, I don't think anyone else is coming over, so. <laughs> Well, so I feel like I really wanted to educate people, and I was sort of disappointing when a lot of them leave because I feel like a lot of the men that were here are exactly the ones I wanted to speak to, and they left. But panel for an NSF-funded thing for engineering in southern New England. And uh, it was supposed to be about you know, minorities in engineering, increased involvement, right? And just trying to get the dean to understand these, that there were really issues with <laughs> their faculty. All right, we welcome you to our final morning session. I do want to mention that I did have a color background, and I have a few of these if you would like. Um, I tried several times this morning to figure out how to get the color background back, but that, that's not going to happen. But I did want to start out by saying that it was a pleasure to, to be here, to be part of an ASA um, convention, um, conference, I guess it's called. I've, I think I've been a member since the mid-1980s, which also, I guess, dates me. But what I was hoping to say to also to a large number of people that were here, I'm not sure how many faculty were here, um, but if any of you are faculty, the importance of, I think, telling your students about ASA. Because when I was an undergraduate, actually it was at Rutgers Camden, it was the chair of the chemistry department, I was majoring in, in chemistry, uh, who was also the faculty advisor for the University Christian Fellowship. And I was also the president of, of IVCF, so I had talked to many times both on faith issues as well as, Christ as, well as chemistry issues. But if he had not told me about ASA, I am sorry to say I'm not sure if I ever would have heard about it. Because in most of my professional life since then, it isn't something that I come across. 
Um, so it's really important if you, if you do have any students that you, you know that they have some interest in, in faith through, I guess, student activities on campus, and they're in science, that you, you tell them about it. Um, as I think about talking about supporting women scientists, I also was really hoping a lot of the, the white males that were here would stay because over my career, and I think about where I've been able to, to be successful, it has been largely white males who have been mentors and support and encouragement to me. And certainly I appreciate all the, the women that are in the audience, and I like to talk to the women as well, but I think at this point that's one of the issues. There isn't enough women out there. So I really would like to talk to the, the, men, the male colleagues and want to educate a little bit, hopefully, about this program. Whether you're in academics or not, as an ASA theme, I would like to say serving others and reaching out to others and encouraging others, hopefully even just through um, this, this weekend while you're here, there's always someone else that you can, you can reach out to and, and try to uh, mentor and help in some way. But to educate you a little bit about the NSF Advanced Program, because I also have to say, uh, even though it's been around since 2001, um, before we were funded at Rutgers, I can't say that I even really knew a whole lot about it, even though I was a, a female in science. Uh, the publication at the top from NSF, um, 0941, I actually have a few copies of, that I printed out. Um, this gives a little bit more detail about the other institutions that have been funded and a little bit of activities about it. Briefly, there are three major projects that they fund. Um, institutional transformation, the IT, is the largest one. It's the one that Rutgers, uh, the whole university as a whole, that I'll explain in a minute, was funded for in 2008, and it, was a, it is a five-year award. The IT catalyst is sort of more of a background. So if the institution isn't really ready to apply for the big um, institutional transformation, a big part of any of these programs is to collect a lot of data. Um, as, a, as a chemist, I'll be talking a lot from a chemistry department point of view, this was very different to me because I felt like it was more almost so social science, because science, um, it's, it's a lot of getting a lot of information, knowing exactly how many um, women faculty and male men faculty, and then tracking them over a long period of time. So getting some of that background information is important for the, um, the IT catalyst to be able to apply for a major one. And then the last one is the uh, PAID, and that is certainly open to everyone because it's taking the information that's already out there. Um, so again, I would encourage you, there's actually quite a few publications that have been made now because this has been around for several years. So there's information and tools and practices. And one of the things that really impressed me, I think, is that NSF was supporting this and supporting this so highly. Um, as, as a chemist that has tried to get NSF funding, sometimes successfully and sometimes not so successfully, I really feel like NSF doesn't give money lightly. And they have committed millions of dollars to this. So sometimes when people feel like, oh, you know, we really don't need to be doing this, I was more convinced that we need to be doing this because I felt like NSF wouldn't be doing it if they weren't sure that there was a need and a concern and a necessity to do it. All right, I'll tell you real quickly a little bit about um, New Jersey and the State University Rutgers. Most of you or most people that I encounter when I say Rutgers, everybody's thinking about this main campus Sometimes referred to as New Brunswick or Piscataway campus. It's certainly the largest one. It has the most graduate programs. Um, Newark is probably the next well-known one up, up near New York City. And usually, having grown up in South Jersey myself and having gone to Rutgers Camden as an undergraduate, tongue-in-cheek, we say it's the best-kept secret of South Jersey. Um, not that we want it to be the best-kept secret of South Jersey, um, but even people growing up in South Jersey or, or a neighbor, I'll be talking to them and say I work at Rutgers, and they say, you drive all the way up to New Brunswick every day? No, I just go right over here to Philadelphia um, 
it's actually right, right nestled next to the Ben Franklin Bridge. If you ever come to the Philadelphia area, um, you come across the Ben Franklin Bridge. We now have an aquarium um, downtown in Camden. Um, there's also a minor league ball field. But as you go across the bridge into New Jersey, if you look on the right-hand side, there's some tennis courts and soccer fields and a few buildings. That is the, the small campus of, of Rutgers Camden. So one of the concerns with trying to do this institutional transformation, a lot of these grants have been given to state institutions and often multi-campus then institutions. And as you can see, uh, Rutgers fits that bill. Yet the concerns and the needs and exactly ways that we can try to make some changes are going to be very different uh, according to the different campuses and different needs. And that's really how I got involved. Um, they ended up calling this the Rutgers University Faculty Advancement and Institutional Reimagination, or Are You Fair for short. And they modeled it after um, a Georgia program that was funded where they had a specific professor in each of the campuses. So they basically went to each of the campuses and had um, a qualification. You basically submit a grant, you know, submit a proposal to be able to be part of it. One of the concerns with Rutgers Camden is there really wasn't any other full, at the level of um, Professor One or our full um, professor, in the hard sciences other than myself. We have. None in biology, none in physics. We now have one um, associate professor in math and one associate professor in computer science. Again, I'm talking female. Um, we have more in the social sciences, as I'll explain. So I felt like I did this initially out of obligation. I hate to say that. <laughs> but I also felt like it was one of the things that I did feel like I should care for others, and I should care for other women faculty. Certainly God has been gracious to me to get to me successfully where I am, and if I in turn can possibly reach out and, and help some other faculty, I would like to do that. I'll tell you a little bit about Rutgers. It's certainly the, the Douglas College has been known for a long time as far as having good education for women. Uh, it was started in 1918, um, before it even became part of the whole Rutgers system. That was certainly a very important educational component for, for women. Uh, because of that, the chemistry department at Rutgers New Brunswick, at least in 08, had one of the largest percent of a female faculty, about 35%. I wish I could say we were that good in, in Camden. Um, also explaining how diverse even New Brunswick is. Uh, if you go to the New Brunswick campus, this is sometimes ref collectively referred to as the, as the New Brunswick Piscataway system. But as you can see, the, the Cook Douglas campus, the College Avenue, is the, the oldest one that started as a colonial college. Uh, Livingston and Bush, it's actually spread out quite a bit. Um, students need to use a shuttle service to get around. Um, I actually like our smaller campus. This is the, the Camden campus that's right next to the, the Ben Franklin Village that I mentioned. Uh, we are a predominantly undergraduate institution. So when we look to see what the needs are in Camden uh, for, for female faculty, it's certainly different. Um, I'm a member of the Council on Undergraduate Research, CUR, for those of you who are familiar with that. Uh, because there is a lot of focus on undergraduate students, undergraduate education, and that's very different than the type of focus that they have in New Brunswick and, and Newark campuses. Uh, currently, you, if you look at percentages, sometimes it looks like it's actually high. Um, I am the one female in chemistry in Camden. Uh, that, that is now 25%. We just hired someone else, and it'll be down to 20%. So you really can't look at percentages. You really have to look at what is the end value. Um, a few years back, one of my concerns when I started to feel like, what can we do differently? Or actually, in some cases, what would we do correctly in the past that we aren't doing as well now? Uh, we had up to 50% female at one point. When our department was up to six faculty, we had, we had three women. 
And also, I knew all of them, so I can say anecdotally why I think they went. Um, one wanted to have a more research-intensive institution. They got an offer somewhere else and then ultimately went to Rutgers, New Brunswick. Someone else wanted to have even more of a liberal arts focus, which we, we do have, but they went to Haverford. Um, so there's certainly so many reasons why um, women, and I also think men faculty leave, but since the focus is on, on what women are doing, it, it's so diverse. It depends on, on your family and your home situation, so many different things that can go on. So what can we do systemically? What is the big thing that we can do to try to make any changes? I just realized before I get to that, um, briefly, the demographics of the different campuses, I think they're pretty much what we would expect. Um, I mentioned the New Brunswick campus certainly has the largest percent of undergraduates. Uh, the uh, percent of full-time faculty pretty much mirrors that. Uh, with regards to part-time students, you can see a lot of part-time students are in Newark as well as in Camden. So we are educating a lot of older students, um, students that are also working full-time and just attending in the evening. And graduate education is primarily at New Brunswick with a little bit in Newark. Um, when we talk about how far Camden has come, in 1981 was the first that they had masters um, in biology in, in, in the Camden campus. And the first time we actually awarded a master's degree in chemistry wasn't until 2000. So it's actually much more recent that we are still considered predominantly undergraduate, but we are moving a little bit towards um, having a little bit more graduate education. This is specific to the faculty in the STEM disciplines. Um, I guess I didn't define that in the beginning, but hopefully everybody's familiar with uh, science engineering or mathematics or the STEM, including technology. This is one of the reasons why the NSF has invested in it so much. This is specific to, to Rutgers, but this is pretty much the, the demographics of, of across the nation, that what happens is that we are educating more and more women. So the good news is we're, we're doing a little bit better getting more women at the undergraduate level and even into the, the graduate schools. I'll show you in a minute what the, the pool to be able to recruit from as far as saying how many women are now actually getting PhDs. So we may be able to get them a little bit more. We're still working on obviously having a few more women coming in at the assistant professor level. Hopefully it's clear the, uh, the lower blue is the... Uh, the women, and I did not make this chart, and I'm looking at it going, why didn't we make the guys blue? <laughs> but I didn't make the, the chart, uh, thanks to someone else that was working on the, the NSF annual report that, that wrote this up. So then, right, right, unusual, I think, with some institutions, uh, Rutgers has a, it's basically just another rank. So just like you would go from associate to full professor, there's another opportunity, again, the same kind of looking at the scholarship and, and research that you've done, be able to go up to professor too. Um, it's it considered a very elite uh, group in that case. And as you, you can see, there's even a, a bigger disparity in some ways between the, the women that are that in that group. Granted, we recognize that there's, there's a you know, time issue with this, right? I mean, it's gonna take time to, to go up through the ranks. So you can say maybe it looks like we're not doing you know, so, so bad here, we're able to get a little bit more from assistant to associate. Um, but in practice, when we've looked at the numbers a little bit more detail, um, they, they aren't quite as encouraging as we would like. Again, also bringing in the, the non-tenure track, it's also well known that there's gonna be a lot of women often that are gonna be hired at the, the non-tenure track ranks. Um, these are for three different years because we now have to be collecting a lot of baseline data for this grant. So before the grant started was 07, 08, um, We've now just finished our second year of the grant. And you can see that we are maybe hiring a few more women, non-tenure track, a few more women, um, assistant professor. But then what we want to really work at is getting the, the faculty to be able to be successful to travel all the way through the ranks as well. 
Specifically focusing on chemistry, um, more because that's, I guess, my field of interest. Um, I am the one here, and this, this brings out the percent issue. So it may look like we had a larger percent of women, but that's because the end value decreased, right? So, and we're going to be back down to, to 20 for this coming year. In Newark, same similar situation. There's just been three women in the chemistry department in Newark, but the number of hires slightly changed, so this went up. And then it sort of went the opposite direction in New Brunswick. Um, they've decreased just a, a little bit. But um, all in all, I guess the good news this year that's not on this plot is that they did a couple hires in math, and the math program in New Brunswick had a, a, a very low percentage. I think there was only maybe one woman in the whole math department in New Brunswick, and they were able to, to hire two more women this year. Now, this is what I wanted to bring out, that the doctoral degrees awarded by field. So this was to say, what, what is the pool that we have to, to go from? And that's where we're looking at to say we need more improvement, especially in biology. Biology for a long time has had a larger percentage of women. So the 50% is the, the number of students graduating with a PhD. So from that pool, we should have been able to recruit quite a few women. Um, over the 20 years that I've been at Rutgers, there's been, I think, the highest of only two women at any one time. But there's been four women that have been um, tenure track and they're no longer here because, yes, it's zero women in biology. And, in Camden right now. Uh, this is, again, me, the one. Um, computer science, um, physics, and math already have a slow, small pool to go from, so we're not doing so badly. And actually, in sociology, anthropology, and criminal justice, that department now is majority female, and it's actually even higher than the, the pool. So I think the fact that we need a little bit more improvement is nothing new. That's certainly an issue, I think, a lot of institutions. Uh, one of the good news is that, that Rutgers in 06 started this office for the promotion of women in science, engineering, and math that they refer to as WESOM. Um, I'm going to highlight real quickly, because I realize the time is already rapidly going, um, a, a couple of the URLs from some of these. Uh, the profiles of women faculty is, again, educational piece. If you have any students, especially female students, who are considering going on in the sciences, I highly recommend the sciencewomen.rutgers.edu website. It gives them not only a little bit about the, um, the background of what the women have done professionally, but a little bit about their personal life as well. So there's some really nice profiles that um, help some of the, the young women to identify with what their, their possible career choices could be. Some of the activities that we have tried to do is the, the many grants, life cycle grants, and I mentioned that I'm one of the RU Fair professors in the Camden campus to try to see what we can do. So this is the Women in Science, Engineering, and Math um, website. This is an example of one of the, the profiles. Um, I know Catherine York quite well. She is a chemistry professor who is now also the area dean in, in math and physical sciences in New Brunswick, an, an excellent role model. And... Uh, this is the, the general RU Fair website with some of the activities that they've tried to do. So in, in Camden, initially I had a, a focus group because I knew why I thought women had left and what I thought might be able to be beneficial, but I really wanted to hear from the other women in the campus and, and see what they wanted. I was also upset because there had been so many women that left, so we did exit interviews of both men and women. Um, we've also tried to do some grant workshops, work-life balance workshops, as well as a couple of the other things mentioned there, and I'm going because I realized my time. <laughs> okay, on the exit interviews, um, we were able to interview both men and women, and what was interesting is there really wasn't a big difference between why the men left or why the women left, and some of the concerns were the same concerns universally. Um, resources are needed. 
Uh, we are, as I mentioned, a predominantly undergraduate institution. Sometimes people think that because you're a state institution, you have lots of funding, unless you are well aware of the fact that state institutions are not receiving a lot of funding lately. And if you know anything about the state of New Jersey, right now, you know, we've got cut even more, and we've gotten cut sequentially over the last few years. So that's part of the concern. So when we we don't have much, many technicians. We are actually sharing a technician between uh, chemistry and biology right now. There isn't a lot of administrative support. There isn't a lot of laboratory facilities. Um, so some of the concerns in order to be uh, successful, because we are part of the AAU Research Institution, and, and those of us are actually are proud of the fact that we're part of that, but one of the, uh, the two-edged sword, I guess, is that Teaching is not really valued a lot, um, and yet that's why it's, it sort of cuts both ways. You really can only be successful in Camden if you care about students. It, it really doesn't fit if you don't care about students, or you may get tenure and then you leave. In order to stay there, you have to really feel that students are important to you and that you value. However, in order to have a tenure and promotion, you really have to have the grants and the papers, and that's where the, the challenge comes, the difficulty comes, because there is... Um, limited resources. Um, professional development came up because um, we've had some trouble, especially with sometimes the biochemists, because people tell me biochemists need to collaborate with lots of other people. I'm not a biochemist to speak as much from it, but there has been the issue that if you were in a larger department where you would have more people you could collaborate with, you would have more chances to, to possibly co-author papers and things like that. And it's, it's been harder. Now, sometimes people say, we'll go up to New Brunswick, and certainly you can. Uh, but with being busy with, with teaching and other responsibilities, it's sometimes hard to find the time for that. Uh, one of the focus groups uh, brought out, this was a lot of actually from the social science department that mentioned that we already have a large number of women there. So they feel like they have a, a lot of informal mentoring going on already. Uh, they felt like some grant writing and administrative support was needed. We had one workshop last year, and we're going to have another one. One of the positive things that Rutgers has is that we do have stopping the tenure clock. And that is available for both men and women. And recently, I encouraged one of my male colleagues to take advantage of it so that it would not be viewed as something that is something only women do. Okay. And my male colleague, he has two very young children. His wife is also in academics. I know that, I mean, they're both pre-tenure at this point. I know that they're both juggling a lot. I, I mean, I've seen his little girl. She comes right in the department with him, you know. So I felt like it was really important for him to take advantage of that. And uh, we'll see how things go for him with that particular issue. Um, some of the workshops, um, I had a work-life balance one, if I actually have another two minutes. I, I will mention we had a speaker that talked a little bit about when women especially have so many demands on their times. I, I'm not sure if I shouldn't be saying that. I actually listened to Congressman last night, and when he said that he worked 80 hours a week, I felt like, okay, you know, I thought I worked a lot, but I don't know if I can say I work 80 hours a week. But with regards to work-life balance issues, there's two statements that she said that I really liked and I wanted to share is the fact that you should under-promise and over-deliver. And I really tried to remember that. And the example they gave is, say, your colleague comes to you and says, you know, I, I want you to read this manuscript for me or I want your help with X, Y, or Z. And, of course, especially I feel like as a Christian, we feel like we should always be willing to help people. And I feel like I always feel like I need to say yes and help them. The other thing she said is that no is a complete sentence. And I have trouble with that one because whenever I say no, I have to give you all the reasons why I have six other things that I need to be doing right now. And that's not really what the person wants or needs to know. But as far as under-promising, what she suggested was that you can say, based on you know, my current commitments, I, I can do that by you know, a week from Monday. 
And sometimes that will be all right with your colleague, but I never even thought about that. And if it's not, then they should rec respect your time and be able to say, okay, no, I need it sooner, so I'll go try to find someone else or be able to, to work with that. So I've benefited also from some of the workshops we've had. Um, we're also gonna have some more leadership and negotiation workshops. Uh, some of the ongoing concerns is, is communication, even just in our own campus. Um, I think about communication even with coming to ASA because there's so many resources and benefits from meeting other colleagues and yet we get so busy in our own little worlds how often do we communicate? Well, the same thing is in my own campus. I don't always even associate with other women faculty as much as I should. Between campuses, there are a lot of resources in the New Brunswick campus, and it's a matter of um, trying to work with communication. There's certainly video conferencing, and we've, we've tried that a little bit, and yet I have found after I've done video conferencing, I really appreciate face-to-face -face meetings. And I never thought I would feel that way because I thought I wanted to save the time and yet with the video conferencing, it just was not the same as the type of interaction that you have one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I had also given a similar presentation at the American Chemical Society, so that was part of why I had some of these other things in here. I've been much more active, I guess, I'm sorry to say, with uh, ACS than ASA. Uh, some of the advantages that they've had is they have the Committee on the Advancement of Women in Chemistry coach. Um, if there are any women chemists, I highly recommend the training that they have. I was also involved with the Philadelphia section of the ACS, and because we are a small campus, it was especially important to me as a junior faculty member to meet women from, from other institutions, and with the large number of institutions that there are in the Philadelphia area, I was able to network a lot as a, as a junior faculty, and that was really important to me. Um, now, I've gotten a little bit more involved at the national level with uh, the ACS meetings. So in summary, hopefully I told you a little bit more about NSF, uh, advanced program that you didn't know about. Um, maybe I even educated you a little bit about Rutgers University and that there's three campuses and how each of the environments are, are perhaps unique. Uh, educated a little bit about the Camden campus being more like a liberal arts institution. But the tie I wanted to do back to ASA and back to anyone that was here is that whether you have an, an advanced program or any specific support structure or, or not, we all need mentoring support from others. I know I would not have gotten where I am today um, without lots of the, the help I've received from, from numerous people. So we also need to, to reach out to others, whether you're in academics or not. Uh, there's, there's always someone else that can benefit um, from you and from your care for, for other colleagues. And it was supposed to be reaching, reaching up and reaching out. I do want to thank the uh, NSF again for the funding, the staff in New Brunswick, um, the co-PIs on it, um, assistant in Camden that I finally gotten to help out with a little bit. And I thought it was very interesting that NSF said that I needed to put this statement on any of things that are. <laughs> Thank you for your attention. I feel like I've seen that anecdotal evidence. I'm not sure. It does make me curious whether someone has done a study on that. I, I feel like it's been anecdotal. I mean, just to give a little bit more of, of my, my personal, which I may not always done except a setting like this, um, I cared for my mother for 20 years. And because of caring for my mother for 20 years, I was not married. And so I went up through the ranks 
essentially, you know, an unmarried, um, you know, thank God I'm now married today, but I wonder how it would have been. I mean, I think it is very challenging for, for young women with, with children. Um, what we like to have with the work-life balance is to encourage women that it is possible because we don't want to discourage, you know, young women from doing it. But I think at a research institution, it's, 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 it's a lot to, it's a lot to do.